Good morning, everyone. Glad you are here. It is good. Good. It is nice to have people to actually preach to. I really appreciate uh, that. Um, and we're in this series we're calling Parables, Stories That Changed uh, the World. And when I was kind of working on titles and thinking about that Stories That Changed the World part, um, I was kind of thinking about the parables on the whole. Most of the parables um, are well known in culture uh, in general uh, and, and have had impact. Uh, people quote them all the time. But there, there are a, a few of them that like in and of themselves kind of changed the world, certainly changed uh, the religious world. Um, and so that's one of them we're going to talk about today. These are kind of world-changing stories. Jesus just shifted the whole way people think about this, uh, think about relationship with God. And, um, and that's, this particular one is one of the ways that kind of separates Christianity uh, from other religions. And so this, this is an important one. Sometimes people don't associate it with being a parable, but, but it is. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, we're going to just jump right in. Matthew chapter 15, verses 10 through 19. Uh, in your Bibles, you can get it online. You can do it uh, on our app. There's lots of ways to do that. To those of you that join us uh, online as well, welcome. We are so glad that you're uh, with us as well today. Uh, Matthew chapter 15, beginning at verse 19. While you're doing that, let me just kind of bring you up to speed with what's going on. Um, Jesus is becoming increasingly famous. He's, more people are knowing about what's going on. People are talking about him. Uh, and at this point, with this particular story, you'll notice that one of the things that happens is the Jewish leaders from Jerusalem come down to hear him. So this is kind of a big deal. The bigwigs, the, the head office has come to hear Jesus and what he has, has to say uh, in this. And, and, and that, that, makes it, that means it's important. They, they've heard some bad things about him. They've heard some good things about him. Uh, and so he's, he's, he's getting some attention. And the level of conflict is kind of rising between Jesus and the religious leaders. And, and the, the thing that's going on right here, just as we jump into it in a second here, is that the disciples have been accused of breaking the tradition of the elders. Say tradition of the elders. Tradition of the elders. Yeah. Which is not the same as the law. And without jumping into way too much Hebrew kind of theology from the first century, um, the, the, the law was what you actually read in scripture, you know, thou shalt not, that, that kind of thing. Uh, but the, the tradition of the elders was the writings, the commentaries by uh, others. And, and it was a really important deal in the, in the first century. Uh, and it, it was serious to break the tradition. In fact, so much so that, that many writers said it was considered a sin to break even the tradition, not just uh, the law. Uh, so, um, so I want you to know this is a, a big deal, but it's kind of a controversial deal that's going on. Uh, and what, what had happened was uh, they had been accused of not washing their hands before meals. And this wasn't for sanitary reasons. Uh, there was a tradition of a cer ceremonial washing of hands uh, before you ate, and the disciples weren't doing that. And so they were in trouble with the religious leaders. You're not doing it right is kind of what was going on with all of this. So let's jump in with uh, verse 10 here. It says, and he, that is Jesus, called the people to him and said to them, hear and understand. By the way, uh, you can get the notes online. Uh, if you, we're not passing them out now, but you can also get them on the app if you'd like that to fill that in. Hear and understand. And I just need to tell you with this one, um, in the original language, it's a lot stronger than hear and understand. It's actually more of listen and obey. Uh, this, this is a strong word he's saying to them. Pay attention to what I'm going to say. This is really important. Listen and obey. Hear and un understand. Okay? And then verse 11, it, uh, he says, Is it not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but 
it, it, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. And so that's the kind of the context here of washing hands and meals and all of that kind of thing. And, and you already know this. In, in, in Judaism, there are a lot of rules about food. Uh, in fact, how many of you recognize the word kosher? You know, yeah, kosher basically is a, is a Jewish word that means that it, it passes uh, the, the degree of examination in order to be edible by a Jew. It's got to be the right food and it's got to be prepared in the right way. A lot of things you can't eat and if you don't prepare it right, then, it, then it's not. And it's a really big deal. And so as a part of that, in the first century, they were adding this idea. This is actually a little newer idea that you had to go through this ceremonial washing in, in addition to all of the other ceremonies, in addition to the uh, things that were involved with that. Um, and so what, what's being dealt with here is, is kind of this rigid religion that's going on around Jesus. Uh, and it's all about doing or not doing things. Doing the right things and not doing the wrong things. And, and you and I, none of us are against doing the right things, I hope, right? Because if you're against doing the right things, I'll see you in my office Monday, okay? But, but for, we're not against that. But, but it had become a very external kind of thing. Uh, and, and Jesus now, by excusing his disciples, uh, makes kind of a direct attack on the religion. They really believed that religion and relationships with God was all about the externals. Do these things, don't do these things. Uh, so much so that the scripture uh, kind of implies that, that the religious leaders got angry, that, that it's a little deeper in here, about the fact that, that Jesus tells the story. Because he says, literally, what goes into the mouth... Uh, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person. And if you were a first century Jew, you'd go, what? How dare you say that? that? That is sacrilege. You cannot say that. What goes in does defile. That's what scripture says. And they would have got out several scriptures and pointed out to you right where it said, you know, don't eat this, don't eat this. That, that kind of a thing. Okay? So, so Peter goes on. I'm going to kind of jump down now because Jesus goes on a tangent and then comes back. But Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. And he said, Jesus said, are you also still without understanding? This is one of those feel-good verses. This verse makes me, doesn't this verse make you feel good? Because sometimes I don't understand either. And I'm really glad that the disciples didn't understand. And, and I'm pretty sure that sometimes Jesus gets frustrated with me going, is that guy ever going to catch on to what I'm trying? Am I the only one like this? You're all kind of looking at me like, I don't know, you know? But, but this is what, it, you know, I have been there, okay? The good news is the disciples struggled, and the better news is Jesus took the time to explain it to them. When you come with an open heart for what God wants, he will always be faithful to speak into that, in, into your life and, and into my life. And so I, this isn't really the point of the parable here, but, but I, I think this is so important because I meet so many people that struggle with this. I, and I want you to know, you, if, if, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you are going to fail in the process. You are not going to live up to the standard of Jesus. It's not going to work out. That's, that's just going to be a part of it. The disciples, the very ones that eventually become the leaders of the church, Peter, who becomes the leader, the leader of the first century church, failed and struggled and didn't get it. And when you're there, good news, Jesus will take the time to pick you up. He may shake his head at you a little bit. You're like, ha, 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 But, but he, will, he will bring you along. Okay, so verse 17 then. Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes through the stomach and is expelled? It's actually a little rougher in the original language. But here's what Jesus did. Jesus radically changes what is spiritual in this moment. Because up until this moment, 
What is spiritual is keeping the rules. Pleasing God, both big G and in other religions, small g, by doing the, the things that you're supposed to do and not doing the things that you're not supposed to do. By, by washing your hands, by eating the right food, by preparing it the right way, by not walking too far on the Sabbath, by all of those sorts of things, that's how you become spiritual. And Jesus just blows that whole thing up and says, do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth and passes into the stomach and is expelled? Okay, that, 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 that's not it. That, that, that's just biology. That, that, that's just the normal stuff of life. And there's a, another little thing, another little sidetrack here that is kind of interesting when you talk to certain types of theologians that think about the long progress of thinking in the world. This opens the door to modern science in the Christian church because he separates biological function from spirituality. And all of a sudden, you can study how that all works without worrying about losing your soul. Now, there have been people through the centuries that kind of rise up and say, you can't do that that way, you know, and, and that sort of thing. If you church, study church history, you'll see all this. But I, I think this is so cool. One of the cool things out of this passage is he literally separates science from spirituality. They're not, they're not in conflict with one another, okay? And then he goes on, verse 18, he says, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. And so he gives to us here the explanation of what spirituality really is. True spirituality is not about what you eat and how you wash your hands and keeping all the traditions of the elders and not breaking all the rules of the church. True spirituality is about your heart. And I don't mean that thing that's pumping inside you. I mean that this larger thing. When I, when I think of heart, when scripture uses heart, it, 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 it's bigger than that. It, it's the, the voice that is inside us. That we recognize when, when God is speaking and God is prompting and God is moving. It's, some would call it a conscience and sometimes it, it certainly works like a conscience. But, but ultimately it is the voice of your creator. Let me say that again. It is the voice of your creator. The one who knit you together in your mother's womb. The one who knew you all of your days from the beginning. The one who has watched over you and protected you. And, and I would be willing to bet all of you who are here and those of you who are listening online that if you were to think over your life, you can point to places where it seemed like God intervened in a particular way. Where God moved or God answered a prayer or God did something that guided and ch changed your life. That is the, the heart, God speaking to the heart, the voice of your creator. And almost everybody knows this in some sort of way. It fascinates me. Even people that claim to be, to be atheists talk about spirituality. Because this thing in us is so universal and so strong that we recognize that there's something more, that God is there's God speaking. We can't always put a handle on it. It'd be really great if you'd get an email address. Amen? <laughs> I got several black and white questions I need answered, but... But that's not the way it works. But we recognize the reality of it, even if he doesn't do it the way we would want him to do. And in this moment, Jesus radically is radically changing the very nature of religion. From a religion of the external to a religion of the internal. Up until now, all about keeping the rules, and it didn't work out very well. And in fact, in almost every other religion, it's about keeping the rules or doing the right things and all of those sorts of things. And Jesus said, no, no, that's not it. 
So, so here's the reality of this, and this is why he talks about this heart connection and this mouth connection. It's this. What is in the heart will eventually be on your lips. What is in the heart, that's what Jesus is saying, will eventually be on your lips. Whether you like it or not. I won't take a poll, but I'll start by confessing with me. There's been a time or two in my life when something slipped out at the wrong moment. No amens there. I heard one yes. <laughs> yeah, there's something about this. Jesus is describing the reality. And, and what he's saying in all of this is our words matter to God. How we talk to people, how we connect with people, how we uh, encourage them, and not just the specific words, but, but the, the, the intent of the words and, and where we're going with the words. And, and, and I just, I don't know, I think time, the times you're in always make Scripture come alive in different ways. But we just live in a time where there's so much mocking and belittling and making fun of people and putting people down and dehumanizing. And it's just kind of become rampant in our culture that it just increasingly it just wounds my soul as I hear people talk like that and and I don't mean just our politicians I mean you hear that everywhere I hear people talk with one another like that I hear people talk about one another like that anyone want to say amen there you know we it's just everywhere and, and, and it's kind of what I call the talk radio ethic I mean if you talk radio where they just kind of go off and they say all kinds of crazy sorts of things can I just warn you as a pastor be careful. Jesus meant what he said about words. He really, really did. And we mock and run down and belittle and gossip about and denigrate those who are made in Christ's image. That's sin. Just plain and simple sin. And it damages the other person. I'm a person of words, and so these resonate with me because these are the kinds of sins I will struggle with most often. And I have had times where things got out and it just it damaged relationships. It, it harmed connections in one another. And so there's, there's this issue about our, our words. And, and not only that, not only does it harm the other person, can I just be frank as someone that's had to struggle with this sin? It damages you as well. A piece of your goodness is broken off when we talk about people like that. There's something that happens in us that just makes us less like Jesus. And I don't want anything in my life that makes me less like Jesus. In fact, in fact here, here's the thing. Don't worry about the government listening to what you're saying. Worry that God's listening to what you're saying. And if you worry about what God's listening to what you're saying, you're not going to have to worry about what the government is doing on that. So your, your words matter. Uh, and and it, they will eventually, whatever's in your heart will eventually come out of, of your mouth. Okay? Uh, but more than just the words matter, he goes on to, to kind of list some stuff. So in verse 19 he says, for out of the heart, okay, out of the heart, he, he is putting the place where the sin begins, where the thing goes wrong, where the damage to relationships happen, not in the external behavior, but in the heart, and then out of the heart comes the external behavior. So out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery. Sexual immorality, theft, false witness or lying, slander. Slander is saying something that damages someone else, whether it's true or not, okay? 
So all of these come out of the heart. This is, this is kind of a picture of what the corrupt heart looks like. You know, have you seen healthy hearts? They're all pink and, you know, and they pump and all that. And then, then an unhealthy heart where it hasn't got enough blood and it's, it's kind of ugly looking. And this is, this is the ugly looking one. It is what I call the polluted heart. Say polluted heart. Yeah, this is the heart that, 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 that's just gone bad in, in so many ways. And so in, in some ways he, he's talking about this, this, this sin of, of inwardness, that, that all of these are, are selfish sins. Uh, John Wesley, uh, one of the definitions of sin was uh, sin is a bent towards self. It, it's a bent towards me, mine, do what's best for me, do what, what satisfies me, meet my needs in all of this. And all of those are, 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 are about that. And so just to kind of put it in modern language, how we treat each other matters to God. How we treat each other matters to God a, a, a lot. Uh, do you notice anything about that, that list of sins? All of them are horizontal sins. All of them are sins against other people. He doesn't even list in that list the, the sins uh, against God. Murder, that's certainly a sin against somebody else. Adultery. Sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander, all of those are, are horizontal sins. God cares about how we treat each other. It matters to him, and what matters to God must matter to us. Amen? What matters to God must matter to us. Okay? So, then the question is, what is in the, what is in the heart, not the question, what is in the heart will eventually come out as actions. Just like what is in the heart eventually comes out with the lips, it eventually comes out with actions. And this is one of those things where sometimes I wish I could illustrate from things I learn in my, in my office, but I, but I can't. But, but let me tell you, I have watched this process that has destroyed lives enough times to tell you, it always starts out small. It always starts out as a thought. They started, one of the first things on that list was evil thoughts. It start, starts out something in the heart that's kind of hidden. Something that, that kind of, you know, I resent that. Now I'm angry about that. But, but I'm not showing anybody because I'm a good Christian. And, uh, you know, if they saw it on the outside, they might not think I'm a good Christian. And all of a sudden we've jumped into the old way of doing it. That it's the outside that matters, not the inside that matters. But usually they can't see that. And it begins to grow and it gets dwelt on and it gets indulged. And all of a sudden it ends up as something big. And they get caught. And one of the things that happens, and I have been people that have been caught in stuff that was life-changing for them almost always they say to me how did this happen and in that moment is not the time to speak truth to them <laughs> it's the time to give comfort and encourage them but it happened because of the heart it happened because something started and it grew this is not my saying but I have come to love this because I recognize the truth in it Sin always takes you further than you want to go and costs you more than you want to pay. Sin always takes you further than you want to go and costs you more than you want to pay. Pastor, it was just a flirtation. I was just kind of attracted, you know, and then it was just innocent talking back and forth and we were spending time. Nothing, we weren't doing anything wrong. We we're just spending time together because we enjoyed each other's company and my spouse was like, you know, I don't know, you know, da, 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 da. And then I get the spouse that says, I just caught him or her and it's over. 
It always takes you further than you want to go and costs you more than you want to pay. That's what Jesus was talking about here. I, I hear it all the time, the other things, how did this happen? Sometimes they say, I don't know what happened. I don't know how this happened. I, I didn't mean to. I just lost control. I, I wasn't thinking. All of those sorts of things that get there. All of this bad stuff, treating each other badly, comes from the heart. And you can make all kinds of rules about external behavior. You can get control of the government and make laws about external behavior. And I don't think that's all bad. But at the end of the day, there is a war that will go on between the heart and the will. And we talk so much about the will. We talk about, you know, you just got to exercise your will. You got to have control. You got to take care of this. Grit your teeth. Don't do this. Do that. All of that sort of thing. And I, I'm a big advocate of the will, okay? I, I got through, you know, degrees and all kinds of things in my life. By acts of will, I'm not giving up kind of a thing. There's some value to that. But when there is a war between what the heart wants and what the will wants, the will is the external, eventually the heart will always win. And that's why Jesus said you need more than this external. You see, to put it in a way that makes sense to me anyway, religion is about rules, relationship is about love. And that's huge, that's gigantic with all of those other things. When you truly love other people, they, even the thought of doing some of that stuff is like, oh my. You know, I would never harm intentionally the ones I love. In fact, if you harm them, we're going to have a problem. Amen? Because that's the way love is. You don't think about that other stuff. And so when Jesus brought this out, this changed everything. Now, the truth of the matter is you can go to church all your life, do everything you're supposed to do, and completely miss what God wants for you. And I know people like this. All of their life they've been religious. All of their life they've done all the things on the external. They've been, a, they've been a good Pharisee. They've been a good Sadducee. They've done everything they're supposed to do. And yet it is empty and they find themselves in trouble. It's all about love. That's why Jesus said when he was confronted and said, boil this whole thing down. What, what's, the, what's the bottom line to the law was what they said. And Jesus said, love God with your whole being. Love the people around you like family. And then in Matthew, he went on to say, you have to build all of your religion on these two things. That's a world changer. Completely different from what everyone, know, everyone was experiencing. You see, we don't need better rules or better enforcement of the rules. We need a new heart. We need a new heart. And, and, and it's the most important thing. And, it, and if you have it, everything else works together. Jesus, in fact, is saying to the, to the religious leaders, and this is why they got so angry, you are exactly 180 degrees wrong. Completely wrong. Exactly wrong. You think it's all about the external. No, it's about the internal. It's not about the rules. You want to know a little secret about this? When you get the heart right, the external flows much easier. When the heart is in the right place, it's much less easy to, to resist the temptation to steal. All you got to think about is the implication for the people you love. you got to think about is the implication for the person you stole from. Uh, the, the, the temptation for getting involved with the wrong, wrong person emotionally, all you got to do is think about what it will do to your family, the people you love, what it will do to the, to the other family. Do you really, if you really love this person, would you be involved? No, no, no. The more you love, the easier it is to, to get the external behaviors. Because eventually, if you're, if you're trying to resist the temptation like this, sooner or later, 
you lose. And it all blows up. And you look your pastor in his eye and you say, I don't know what happened. And now that you've heard this sermon, you know that I'll be thinking, I know what happened. There was a heart problem in all of this. This is why, and I've, I've said it many times before, it is vastly more important to teach your children to love God than to obey God. Because if you teach your children to love God, they will eventually obey God. Amen? Yeah, I, I see this in, in growing up. In kids, Our kids are now up, um, out of the home. You know, and uh, I was one of those parents for whom I think my kids probably would have said, I'd rather have the spanking than the lecture, okay? Because we would talk about everything. Every time they did something wrong, we processed that together. We talked about why and all, all of those sorts of things. And growing up, you know, the dad's got too many rules and da 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 You know what one of the most satisfying things in life is? To watch your children become responsible adults. And to take those values on, not because dad says you have to do this, but because they, they got into their heart those values. And the way they live flows out of their heart. It is so powerful. But here's bad news, good news. Only God can change your heart. Only God can change your heart. We try. We promise ourselves we'll do better next time. It will never happen again. Uh, forgive me, I'll, I'll do better. But what we really need is not a stronger will, but a new heart. And that's the essence of Jesus' message, is that he will make us a new creation, that he'll do a new thing in us, that he'll give us the heart he intended for us to have. And the message of our church and of Jesus Christ is this, you can be made new. He can do a heart transplant in you. He can give you a heart that is for him. He can change a lot of it in an instant, most of it in an instant. And then there's a lifetime as he works on those things in discipleship. And I am here to tell you as one who has experienced that. And so many others. And if you're listening online, that, that I, this is the thing you need. And you know already that, that there have been times when you got in that, I don't know how this happened to me. When you know in your heart there was something that was pulling you in the wrong direction and it wasn't the voice of your creator. And... and you can end the struggle. You just have to have a spiritual heart transplant. So having spent some time in the hospital in the last year, I learned something about having surgery. And one of the things about having surgery is this. There's a lot of forms to fill out. Amen? There's just a lot of forms. So consent forms for a spiritual heart transplant this morning. I want to cover these just, just uh, kind of quickly. Uh, and then we're going to worship the, the Lord in giving here in just a minute. But just, the, just to, so you know, number one, know God loves you and wants to make you new. Know God loves you and wants to make you new. I, I don't know what you believe about God or religion or any of this, but I do know this. God loves you. Even when you screw up. Even when you fail. Even when you blow your whole life apart. In fact, often I think God is the closest in those moments. And he loves you and he wants to help you. He wants to pick you up and dust you off. But even more than that, he's not going to give you a lecture about keeping the rules. He's going to say, son, daughter, I can give you a new heart and address the underlying issue. And your whole idea of religion about keeping the rules and an angry God and all of that stuff, that just goes away once you experience the living God and you, get, you understand that he wants this for it. Number two, you have to admit you have a need. 
I don't know if you know this, but, but when you get a surgery, you have to consent. There's a form that they sign. And usually they tell you all the bad things before you sign the form. This could result in this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And, and, and as someone that, that had to have cancer surgery, I just knew I had to have the surgery. I was going to be dead for sure. So I just didn't even listen. At the end, I said, okay, I'll, I signed right there on the thing. The good news is with God's surgery, there's no downside. There's no downside. It's all good. Follow him. I have met lots and lots of people that, and talked about religion. I've never met anyone in whom God put a new heart that regretted it at the end of the day. You've got to admit your need. Okay? And number three, you have to ask. You have to ask God to come in. You have to ask him to change you and to give you a new heart and to make you a new creation. You've already told him you're in need of it, so now ask him to come in, and he'll do that. And then you have to agree to follow him the rest of your life. To let him be in charge. And it is a wild and crazy life adventure. If you're looking for adventure, follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. He's taken me all kinds of places I never ever thought he would take me. He's done stuff in me. He's changed me. He's grown me up. I know it's hard to believe, but this is the fixed up version of me. And he wants to do the same for you. Your external actions are not what defile you. They're not what cause sin. The real issue is the heart, and the good news is Jesus wants to give you a new heart. Let me pray for us, and then uh, if our musicians would come, uh, we'll worship the Lord in giving, but I, I just really want to take a moment uh, to pray. And if you recognize the need for a new heart, I invite you to walk through those steps. Embrace the fact that God wants it. You know, Ask for it. Um, let him work in, in you through all of this. Admit your need and ask. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, what a revolutionary story this was, Lord. And I, I know for those who are already followers of you, it just kind of seems normal that it's the new heart. That's what it's all about. But, but when it was spoken back 2,000 years ago, it, it, was, it really was a revolution. It was, they couldn't get their head around that, Father. And yet we're so thankful for it. And Lord, I know today that there are lots of people who are still in the old way. For them, religion is a certain set of do's and don'ts and, and ways of going about things, and, and they don't find that satisfying. And, and so, Father, I, I pray this morning for each one that you have spoken to about a new heart, the need for a different way, that right now, Father, that they would, they would confess that they need you to put a new heart in them, Father. And, and that, that even beyond that, they would, they would ask, Right now, Father, if you're, if you're out there, just, just ask, say, Lord, come into my heart and change me and live with me. And that then, Father, they would, they would offer to you that they will follow you, follow you the rest of their life. Father, I, I just pray that if they've done that, that you would bring into their life a follower of you that they can share this with, Father. And, and that they can know what it is to be forgiven, Father. And they can begin to get into your word and, and talk with other Christians, Father. And that they can find a church and and get baptized, Lord, like we're going to do next service. I just pray, Father, your blessing upon them. And then, Father, I pray your blessing upon all of us that have been walking with you a long time. And sometimes in that walk, things begin to, to get out. Anger or bitterness kind of gets a foothold. Father, forgive us. Clean us up again, Lord. Get us back on the path. Maybe be careful about the words that we use when we talk about anyone that's created in your image, Father. And maybe be careful about our, our, our actions, Father. And Take the exit ramp quickly if, if you speak to us. And Father, most of all, we just love you. Thank you, Father, that you are all about us loving you and you loving us and us loving 
one another. And we just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to continue to worship the Lord in, in giving this morning. Woo! Yes, <laughs> thank you. Uh, so, a, a couple of ways to do that. Uh, whether you're here, we're not pl passing offering plates anymore. So you can go online to our webpage, generationscommunity.org, and on the right-hand side, there's a give button, and that's a really easy way to do it. You can also uh, get the, the Generations Community app, and you can give on there. There's a place where you can uh, give on there as well, uh, and there's a lot of other stuff on that app. Uh, you can also text GIVE 784 to 77977. If you're really cool, this is the way you do it. GIVE 784 to 77977. This isn't the way I do it. <laughs> or you can do, you can just send a check into Generations Community, P.O. Box 1654, Marysville, Washington, 98270. And our P.O. Box is very secure. And for those of you who are here, in addition to all of that, right in the back, there's a couple of black boxes. We haven't got them really marked yet, but you can put a, a check uh, in there uh, as well. And so as we uh, worship the Lord in giving, let's also worship the Lord in song. Amen. Would you stand with me? Receive now God's benediction from Hebrews 12. It's kind of this whole series. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance, with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And all God's people said, God loves you. I love you. Go and love each other. <laughs>